conversations that matter to you. We need proper representation. Time for Fridays with Fry. With Russell Fry on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. And joining us live on the air is Congressman Russell Fry. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Good, good. Um, you're in Washington? We are in Washington, yep. Okay. Uh, um, it's, been, it's been a long week. It's like up early to bed, like super late, crazy, like speed boats on the floor. So um, haven't gotten a lot of sleep this week, but you know what? The fight continues. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, what did you want to start with? We have uh, IRS um, whistleblower documents. I think, um, what was it? How many? 700 pages of additional messages, emails, and documents about uh, their five-year investigation into Hunter. Uh, AOC wears contacts. We found that out. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, which which <laughs> thing do you want to start with? The shutdown? Um, you name it. You will look, we had a, a great hearing yesterday. Uh, it was the first impeachment inquiry hearing uh, in the Judiciary Committee. Um, to, to recap it, you know, Democrats kind of came in and they're like, they don't have evidence. There's nothing there. Their star witness won't even do. And, and there is a difference between impeachment, articles of impeachment, and impeachment inquiry, right? Like, this is the, mm -hmm. this is the normal flow of things. Democrats have totally destroyed. Uh, the impeachment process. And so, like, this is what the Constitution requires, like, that we do. And so, you know, they kept kind of making the leap forward, like, you don't have a, I mean, I think they expect us to have, like, the gold bars in Joe Biden's pocket right now, or the cash, in, you know, in his house. I mean, like the Menendez level of, of clear lines. And look, House Republicans have done a tremendous amount to get to this point despite the FBI, despite the DOJ, despite the media uh, highlighting this stuff. And so we're going to keep doing our stuff. We issued subpoenas yesterday at the conclusion of the hearing for Jim Biden mm -hmm. uh, and Hunter Biden's personal bank records. And uh, I thought yesterday's hearing was exactly, it's, it's a recap of where we are, what the evidence shows today, um, and what the Constitution requires in terms of impeachment. And I think on both of those, despite what the media says, we, we landed that plane. Like this is the first step. You know, we heard, um, you know, we saw your clip on Twitter and we also saw uh, Nancy Mace talking about uh, these, you know, these actions of uh, the president treasonous. Um, that's what she called it. And she also said that she wanted to hear from the bookkeeper uh, what is she referring to there? Is there a chance that there is a bookkeeper and they would be able to um, give more insight? Well, the accountant, the bookkeeper, people who were kind of keeping the finances. I mean, mm -hmm. but I think quite honestly, the bank records kind of show okay. um, already. They already show a lot. Um, you know, so assuming you go down that route, um, I think there's just a there's a lot of different people that would be in play. Obviously, Devin Archer, his business partner, has testified. Mm -hmm. We've had other people testify. The IRS whistleblowers have come forward. Uh, so again, you know, to, to really everybody's point, um, you let the facts dictate this. Like, you follow the trail. Uh, the, there was a guy there last night or yesterday uh, during the hearing. He investigates fraud or did. Uh, and he said, you know, where there's smoke, you're 
objective is to go to the smoke, like, and to figure out what's going on. And uh, and his comments yesterday were, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot here you need to go into. And uh, I totally wouldn't. I don't understand why the IRS didn't do these things. And I mean, that was kind of the the interesting part of the testimony yesterday. I think again, Democrats wanted some shiny object, um, but that's not really the point of the first impeachment inquiry hearing. It was, hey, here's where we are. Here's what the evidence shows today. Here's what the Constitution uh, really requires around impeachment. Here's, you know, for people who are new to this, here's what impeachment is and, and why the founders put it in there as it is and why it's phrased the way that it is. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't going to be like an earth-shattering bombshell of new ev- evidence that came forward. It was it was going to be a recap. I mean, the new evidence is the 700 pages that we're still thumbing through. Um, but one of those one of those damning things that I've already seen is that you know, Hunter's, you know, in like this exchange, uh, he says that, you know, that Joe Biden was the key to the family's business. Mm-hmm. You know, there was um, talk about and we had heard Nancy Mason, um, I think it was Marjorie Taylor Greene, say that there was uh, connections to a p- prostitution ring. Any, you know, that really bothers me on so many levels. Um, what? Has any of that been closer to being revealed as to what they were talking about? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there were tax write-offs um, that were for, you know, escorts and things like that. And uh-huh. Certainly, there's um, suspicious activity. Was that uh, all used by with, Hunter? I mean, is that the what what's been indicated there? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and at this point. Um, you know, don't know if there's a connection with with Joe, but certainly Hunter engaged in that. I mean, that's yeah, we saw that yeah. amply supported, <laughs> and and he wrote taxes off on it. I, I didn't know that that was a law that prostitution was a tax write off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how what category that is, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, so what you know, Russell? A lot of people are wondering: Is this really going to go somewhere? I mean. Is it possible that it this is so obvious, so horrific that Democrats can't turn away, can't vote against it? What I mean, what do you think? I don't know that you're ever going to get Democrats, right? I mean, look, I mean, even with the Menendez stuff that dropped, you know, the clearest yeah. stuff, the, the indictments that came out. I mean, there's been some that have called for him to resign. But it's more for, I think, a political purpose than it is anything else, uh, that, that, they, that they're now worried that that seat that's coming up next year is in play. Uh, and that makes sense. I mean, polling Menendez is at like 8%. Um, so I don't know the Democrats are ever going to do that. Um, but again, our objective, um, and this is where we have to tee it up right. Like, mm-hmm. we owe it to the American people to get it right. We have to, This is, and I've said this for a long time, this is a trial. It's painstakingly slow kind of what the founders intended, and especially with when you're dealing with financial crimes where where it's not always clear, it's not always right in front of your face, like a gold bar. It's not like you're you're being stonewalled by investigators. You have to go through the subpoena process and get these records and you have to have these court battles and all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. it you gotta put your put your stuff together. Because if we you know again we owe it to the American people to get it right. Um, and look, there's a lot there. I mean, I think this is the, this is, this is the state of play where we are today. Um, but I think our whole objective is, is as much as we all want the truth, like all of it out in front of the public right now so that everyone can digest it and see if there's something there or not. 
um, it's just not there as far as, uh, you know, not, not a timing aspect, but just you have to build that. You have to chase the facts as they are. You find you turn over one stone, uh, which leads to another, and that's kind of where we are. I mean, where we are today is is so, I mean, we know so much more now than we ever knew in January when we uh, assumed control of Congress. Um, so I think, in a, in, and again, we've done tremendous amounts more than the DOJ ever did. I mean, they they blocked some mm-hmm. of this stuff. You couldn't investigate person number one. Yeah, uh, You're not allowed to go into potential campaign finance violations. You're not allowed to search his property or interview certain people. Like, that's the other side of this coin that really frustrates me and I think also frustrates your listeners about this two-tiered system of justice that we have that, you know, if, if IRS protocols say that you have to do this, chase this particular lead in this way, and and the lawyers are going, no, you can't do that. You can't go talk to them. Like, they're off limits. That's a that's a problem. Like, that that's, I mean, you would never get that treatment. I would never get that treatment. But they, but this family did. Yeah. Um, I wanted to change gears here and just talk about the government shutdown. And and if you have, if anybody has any questions for Congressman Russell Fry, this is Fridays with Fry. His opportunity to reach out to you, um, 843-798-TALK, 798-8255. Nick, you have something? Actually, yeah. Uh, Russell, someone has a situation that they need to get in touch with you. I, I, I don't think it's anything we can talk about on air, but what's the best way for one of your constituents to get in touch with you? Uh, the, uh, the, look, Hit the office up, call the office this morning. We're happy to help you out. So you flagged on the radio. I'm not sure what the situation is, but, you know, the office uh, in 15 minutes will be live. So um, call in. Okay. Happy to help. Great. I'll pass that along. All right. So give us an update on this, um, you know, the government shutdown that is impending and what the the House got done. I think it was yesterday there was... um, some talk about um, uh, some uh, a CR getting, uh, I guess, uh, signed. Yeah, look, this whole thing. I've, I've stopped predicting uh, on this <laughs> uh, because I have wor- I have a worse record than the weatherman at this okay. point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's hard here, to follow kind of the for the rest of us. By the way, just letting it you know. is. It is so. It, look, there's so many moving parts to this, and, mm-hmm. and so. You know, you have the Senate doing their thing, right? Like that, the, and they and they're not with us. Uh, Senate Republicans, uh, I say them loosely, but Senate Republicans are not with House Republicans as far as objective. Um, so you have you have for a long time that this town has been governed by, you know, endless omnibus bills, uh, giant packages that are dropped on you, and then you you know have to do an up or down vote. You can't amend them. Uh, that's the, that was the state of play. One, the rules changed in January. We came in, we said, we're going to allow amendments on the floor. We're going to allow buy-in, uh, from, from, from people. Republicans can put up amendments. Democrats can put up amendments. That's kind of democracy, right? Like you go to the floor, you have an idea, you put it out there and you let people vote. Um, one of the things that frustrates me, uh, and frustrates your listeners is that process, that continuing process that you just, you rubber stamping the bureaucratic BS led to trillions and trillions and trillions of debt. And if we're going to get serious about the debt, you have to, one, change the rules, which we did, um, to allow for members to, to put things up on the floor, have debate. Uh, but two, you're going to have to start bending the curve down. 
you're not going to eliminate $33 trillion in debt overnight. Like, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We didn't get there overnight right. either. But you have to start turning the trajectory down. If interest rates rising, which is a problem for the national debt, because that means that we're, our deficits are also going up you know, with that as well. And if you're not going to start cutting spending, then you know, we're going we're gonna to lose the country. Um, most spending, too, by the way, and your listeners know this, is mandatory spending. These are things that we never vote on, right? These are things that are programmatic, they're in there, uh, and we never touch, um, you know, Social Security being one, Medicare, Medicaid. Those chew up so much of the budget um, already. So we're talking about discretionary spending, what's left. Uh, And so my point was, we can't keep doing this. And I think conservatives took the same approach. We can't keep doing this. We want single-subject spending bills. Each section, there are 12 appropriations bills. There haven't been 12 appropriations bills that have passed since 2018. They've been governing by continuing resolutions since that time. We're changing that. And and I think we, you know, we put our foot down, and guess what happened? I mean, it's amazing what a little bit of pressure does um, in a good way. We passed. Democrats were blocking. You know, as much as the shutdown stuff, Democrats want to say Republican shutdown. One, they control the Senate. They control the White House. And every single Democrat in the House of Representatives, anytime that there is a bill that is brought forward to the floor or wants to be brought forward to the floor, they vote against it even coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really like the shutdown people here. But anyway, so you have uh, last night, you had one uh, appropriation bill that was passed in July. Uh, military construction. And then that pressure led to this reality like, hey, we, we're going to do this. We meant what we said. We're going to start passing these single subject appropriations bills. And so three, uh, three bills passed last night. DOD, no Ukraine funding. I was very adamant about that. I think a lot of conservatives were. They took it out. Um, state and foreign ops and um, homeland security for the border. So those are the mm-hmm. and, and people had amendments and they were cutting spending and they were trying to, you know, cur- again curb where we are. Um, and from a conservative standpoint, that those three those are conservative wins that passed last night. And so it's still very fluid, like what happens today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Senate's the Senate's trying to cobble together something. Don't know what that looks like. Uh, the House is doing that too. But these single subject appropriations bills. Those are so important. Like, if you're going to, you have to change the culture of Washington if you're going to get serious about the national debt. Um, and I'm optimistic today. I don't know that I was optimistic yesterday, but I'm optimistic today um, that, that things are on the right track. Uh, it took a little bit of kicking and screaming to get to that point, but um, we need a conservative solution to fix this problem. Everyone recognizes it, Republicans and Democrats. In, 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 but when you get inside the beltway, it's like you, you've completely forgotten that, you know, you have to budget, um, that you can just spend your way into, into oblivion. And so, um, you know, we'll see what happens with, with a, a temporary stopgap measure that, that may bridge us some time to finish the rest of the appropriations bills. But I'm actually, right now, this morning, as we speak, um, I'm optimistic because of what happened last night. Mm-hmm. We were able to pass. Okay. Those bills, they're very conservative. Uh, they listen to the people, um, and we and we go about the business of regular order. This is what 
Congress. It's, it's messy. When you look at it, it looks messy. It is messy. But that's kind of democracy. And we're not going to govern by you know these, these giant omnibus bills anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. Um, and you know what, Congressman? Um, while we were talking, I got an alert. You probably got one, too. Uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein has passed away at the age of 90. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, we just uh, heard It literally that, came just seconds yeah, ago. Yeah, while we were talking. Um, they, she was the longest-serving woman in the Senate, first elected in 1992. Um, and um, she says here she often sought common ground with Republicans, uh, frustrated her liberal colleagues often. And, um, you know, we, we know she wasn't doing well recently, but she has served— Yeah, her uh, health was very poor. Three decades in the Senate. Amazing. Um, so she has passed away. So. Well, um, you know, I hate that for her family, obviously. I mean, she mm-hmm. and I probably don't agree on anything. Uh, but <laughs> exactly. you, you just never, you know, and that's yeah. just always a sad scenario. Yeah. But um, I, I do worry about the, the back end of that, too. Like what, you know, who, who replaces her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's an old school senator, so, you know. We'll see. Um, But thank you so much for joining us, Congressman Russell Fry. Uh, We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.